Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of eLearning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we're so glad you found us today. Our guests today are two of my favorite people. We have Steve Mildner, Chief Revenue Officer of K16 Solutions, and Dr. Thomas Waite, Founder and CEO of K16 Solutions. How are you both doing today? Doing great. You said two of your favorite people. Who's the other one? I'm not going to say, uh, but I'll list you as uh, two of the top uh, top five. We'll go with that. Um, Fun to be had, on this. We've had some, we're, we're fans. And we've had some, some big name guests lately, so I'll let you guess some of those are in there. But uh, no, we always love talking uh, to both of you. And um, this is going to be the first part of a, a number of episodes we do together uh, for the rest of this year because you guys have some really exciting things going on. And we can't uh, possibly talk about all of them in one episode. So today I want to uh, really kind of dive in and give my audience a foundation of uh, who you guys are, what you do, uh, and why it's really revolutionary for uh, the industry that uh, you guys are in, of course, education technology, but specifically uh, data migration of uh, learning management systems, which I'll let you guys talk more about it, but uh, is something that has really not been um, achievable in the past, and you guys are really doing something special. So uh, we'll start with uh, Dr. Thomas Waite. Uh, if you want to just give our audience a little background on yourself and, and the K-16 solutions. Yeah, wonderful. JW, it's a pleasure. Um, Love the work you do. It's important for ed tech. So it's exciting. We talk behind the scenes, but it's exciting to be here live with you and, of course, with Stephen. So, uh, Dr. Thomas Waite, just Thomas, please. Uh, K16 Solutions um, founder, along with two other co founders, Mary Nesbitt and Jordan Scheid, who are not here with us today. Mary, the creator of all things out of thin air and, and my heat seeking missile of detail, and Jordan Scheid, the uh, JW, he is, a, he is a savant programmer covering a multitude of languages, his own algorithms, machine learning, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's my pleasure simply to be a steward of, of Jordan's vision and what this team is doing and maybe being the guy that will run into the burning barn. So maybe I'm in this chair because I'll, I'll grab the banner and go in first. I'll take the arrows in the back, so to speak. But, um, you know, the background for us and I... I don't want to. I don't want to go too far on this relative to K16, but I think it's important for education. A lot of the founders, a lot of people you interview, I watch, I see. You know what's what's hard to do is keep the student and staff at the center of your decisions. It's hard to do, right? Because you get investors, you've got the board, you're responsible for things. Versus when we were deans or chief academic officers, whatever it may be. So I share that with you because I I I like the culture that we are guarding here, the low ego. Uh, I think that humility is alluring and I think it's important for students and staff for the uh, educational institutions. So covered a lot, of, uh, a lot of positions from faculty to administrator positions over the years, but mainly my pleasure now to, to lead this team and to serve this team and to break some doors down and do the right thing for education. So. There's a quick snippet on that background, good sir. That's a good start. And Steve, introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, uh, Steve Milner, ha happy to be um, on this journey with this team. So uh, I joined the company in, in a fairly unique way. Um, <laughs> probably one of the more unique ways you'll find. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually wrote the second check in the seed round. Um, early on, the chairman of our board, Annette Catino, is amazing 
amazing uh, woman, led a, a incredible company, Qualcare, an amazing exit, uh, was our anchor investor and introduced me to this opportunity through um, through a relationship I had with her before uh, before K sixteen and um, joined um, about a year after. So I you know I sat on the advisory board early on, uh, but more so really tracked with with Thomas and the team almost daily. You know, and um, and we talked about future and opportunities. And I was in a you know a job in, in corporate America at a, you know relatively high level, and um, decided that this was um, this was exactly what I want to do. The team, the mission the culture, the vision, uh, all this stuff that, um, you know, oftentimes are buzzwords that people like to use were real here. And, um, and when I joined, I mean, we, <laughs> we didn't have a commercial product yet, <laughs> product, not a commercial product yet. Um, you know, we, uh, we didn't have a lot of cash on the balance sheet, uh, to say the least. Um, and, uh, and I had a, a child and, um, another one uh, soon to be on the way. So it was a, you know, what some people would consider a risk, but what I consider the, the best professional decision I've ever made, and it's not close. So couldn't couldn't be more thrilled to be here. JW. Tom, oh, go ahead. If I may, I'll just say it's I I love working and talking with Steve because it is it is unique. He he was our second check writer. So you you know how that feels to traipse the country and talk to the investors. Here is our second check writer, and now he's he's my partner in crime and and trusted guide and friend and close with the family. So it's amazing. And Steve uh, won't say it here, nor should he, but he, he left behind an incredibly successful career to come on board and bring us a level of, of sales, marketing, and strategic relationship management that has just launched this rocket. So I, I would not expect him to say it, but I will. Um, what a thrill that he made a startup story his own to be here and do this. Um, it's it's an amazing story. Well, thank you, Thomas. But the stuff I've done isn't that hard to do when uh, when a company's created a piece of technology out of thin air that nobody else on planet Earth has anything close to. So that that definitely uh, okay. you know helps make my job a little bit easier. But thank you, appreciate it. And and speaking of the technology that uh, no one else uh, does, uh, give our audience a little background. Uh, either one of you can take this one on what does the technology do and why is it so unique. Sure, I'll, I'll jump in with a little big picture and then Steve can jump in too. So Jordan and I, Mary and team, you know, we've been off and on together for about 19 years under the hoods of just about every system in ed tech, or at least let's just say the top seven or eight most prominent systems that, that run all of ed tech, um, run the institutions. So as those mechanics or grease monkeys underneath those systems, um, it wasn't, it wasn't that this light bulb went off and said, hey, we can do this better, although that did occur. But it was more, it was always fixing. It was always fixing things that are broken. It was always, you know, how do we, how's education more accessible and cheaper? And not in the grandiose startup, hey, here's a problem, let's solve it. We were living it, JW. We were working in it. We were struggling with it for, for years. And given Jordan's skill set and Jordan's team, by the way, we, we talk about Jordan, but for his team who's listening, they are, they, uh, it might be the wrong verbiage to use. I don't know a better way to say it, but they are a freak show programming talent. We don't outsource anything, uh, never have, not sure we ever will. So it is an in-house powerhouse team. And I, I did, and the team moved LMSs, right? And when you moved an LMS, if you do common cartridge or white glove, both of which 
I, you know, if this is going out in the public, I will as nicely say as possible are train wrecks um, because I've experienced those uh, as a user, as faculty, as an administrator, as a student also. And the other way is two computer screens, you'd go back and forth. Um, Jordan was working on our data warehouse. He was working on our architecture, uh, something that really is unique. Uh, well, it's beyond unique in the marketplace. It's absolutely unprecedented. Let me just stay, say, and I'll have Steve go in. And by the way, this isn't a commercial, JW, as, as we've talked before. It's simply, okay, we're sitting here dealing with something that's never existed. If you wanted to go from one LMS to another, say you're a major university, say you're one of the largest universities, and this is, in fact, uh, a, a true story. 19 months. 19 months. And that's, that was, that's not slow. That's and they, they had unlimited money, uh, unlimited staff, and technology beyond most, maybe even comparison to some of the Ivy Leagues. And so you compare 19 months. Now, they saw what we did. They did get behind us. We were too early to help them. But if we were to move that university today, it would be about six days with 100% fidelity. So I, I, I give the pause there, JW. I don't know your comment to that before Steve digs in further, but that's what we're dealing with. And it's, I'm not saying this in a boastful fashion. I'm, maybe I'm saying it because I'm pleased with Jordan and his team, but it is a new level of technology that's unprecedented. Yeah, and my comment would be, I want to know what's the secret sauce, and I'm sure you can't give it to me, right? And and I'm sure a lot of it is all of those decades of experience, um, but but certainly a lot of institutions, um, you know, over the years uh, would kind of fall into one or two or three camps of uh, a major LMS that they're using, and and I can only imagine if you said, oh yeah, next year we're planning to to switch people would have looked like at you like you're crazy. Like, nope, we, we started with this one and we're gonna have to be with it because it's too hard to switch. Uh, and I'm sure in the professional world, uh, switching um, CRMs, you know, is probably uh, similarly, uh, or maybe not even quite as robust and complex. And, and you hear the horror stories about a year, two years of data migration and third parties and over promises and under delivering. Uh, and, and it's real. Uh, the challenge and the pain point is real. And, um, and so, yeah, I'd love to hear a little more from Steve on uh, as much as you can tell me of the secret sauce. It's really in an interesting world, JW, because you, you hit it on the head. You think of CRM migration, same thing. Um, you know, maybe not quite as challenging, but, um, but significantly challenging. I think what makes an LMS migration even more challenging than when you're talking about data, right? You're talking about a, a data migration in a CRM is you're talking more content than you are data. So there's a lot of interpretation to that. And that's why I think when, when we first brought this to market, we were internally wowed by what this could do, right? And I think oftentimes, um, you know, people or companies will create amazing technology, um, but you're never sure what the commercial application is going to look like, right? What, um, how will this actually scale? Will people you know, um, vote with their wallet, right? Specifically. And, um, and, and again, not that, that that's what this was all about, but, um, but to build a company, there has to be a commercial application to it. So, you know, this time last year, I think we'd done one deal, two deals, maybe we were just getting started right now today, as we speak, we've got, you know, 25, 30 active migrations, more than double that in testing. But, um, but the way this solution works, really what we do specifically is we'll go into your legacy LMS, whatever LMS you've decided to leave. And we are fiercely independent to Thomas's point earlier on, industry uh, LMS agnostic. We have 
phenomenal partnerships with, with all the players out there. And, and really our job is to help them make the best decision for them, whatever, or not help them make the decision. So once they've made the best decision for them, help them get where they want to go in the most effective way possible. So we'll go into this legacy LMS and we can grab everything, not virtually everything, not almost everything. We can grab every piece of content in there, including any third party LTIs, whatever. And we pull that onto our platform. Once we've got that on our platform, we'll push, I don't know, eight to 10, whatever, a, a sampling of courses, right? The harder courses, we're going to push that into the new LMS, right? And we're going to look with the school and say, okay, how do you want this content to be exposed in your new LMS, right? Because you're not talking about a lot of one-for-one parents. They're two very different systems with very different, um, you know, thought processes around how to deliver the education. So what we've been able to do is, is transform content and not only content, but, you know, if you've got journals over here and maybe it should be a module over here, we can make that happen. We need to find and replace. We'll change words for you, right? You, it, it might say the name of your legacy LMS in your old system. Well, obviously you don't want that to come across in your new system. We can change phone numbers if they need to be updated, whatever it may be. And what we go through an iterative process. And once that institution has said, yep, you got it right. Usually it just takes a couple of times of, of, of a couple of reforms. We'll push the button. We can move I mean, we, we moved in certain cases 10,000 courses a week. We did 20,000 courses in 10 days for a school um, with absolute perfect fidelity, ready to teach. We had a, a story from one of our earlier institutions who was moving um, off of Sakai, which, which is um, prior to this, essentially impossible to move off of, uh, into Canvas. And uh, I had a story where they had a professor who taught a course out of Sakai in the morning and was able to teach the exact same course to a different set of students that afternoon out of campus. No QA, done, ready to go. So it's not just the speed, and it's not just the, um, you know, the ability to reduce the amount of, of, of pressure and impact on students and faculty. It's also the quality of the content, the fidelity of that content as it comes across, the ability to transform it, to clean courses up. We had even had some scenarios where schools have had us go and do and find, replace, and clean up courses that weren't even migrating. They just, they just love the technology that much. So uh, it's a little bit of an overview, JW. I know it's not necessarily the secret sauce of exactly, you know, how it works, but um, if that, that's how you experience it anyway as a uh, you know administrator. Steve, that's wonderful. JW, if I can jump in on top of what your comment was and Steve's, you know what it reminds me of too is early on, um, a lot of the players, a lot of institutions were telling us, well, people aren't going to move. And it's, it's a hard decision, which it is. I get it. I've done four of them myself when I was in a different position. And remember, Steve, they were like, well, it's, it's a hard move. Not as many people are going to move as you think. It's, it's just not going to be that vibrant. And now that they know, and St Steve has referenced a, a commercial from an airline that said you're free to move about the country. Well, you're free to move about your LMS systems. What's funny, my point is, what's funny about that is everyone was saying, you know, it's just not going to be that much movement. We're, it takes too long. We're not interested. And now it is, now it is a heyday of people moving sim simply because that obstacle is gone. And back to the starting point, JW, one of our biggest obstacles is frankly, people just don't believe it. Yeah, well, and, and it's amazing that you're, you're not just doing migration, which is seemingly impossible at, at, on its face. You're also doing what I would say is translation um, and customization, uh, which is really, I think, even more incentive um, to look at what else is out there and see if there's a better fit 
um, because again, you've taken that constraint, that hurdle out of the way. Um, it's really opened up, and I would think game changer is a, a pretty good uh, term, not to be uh, over uh, uh, over dramatic. Uh, this really is a game changer for uh, the institutions and and for freedom of choice. That, that's it. it. I mean, the, the real mission behind migration was simple was simply that to give faculty, administrators, and students the the freedom to make the decision to be on the best LMS for them unencumbered, whatever that is, right? To just say, if, that, if this is the one we want to be on, and we had a lot of, you know, anecdotal evidence to Thomas's point behind the scenes of, of folks, we won't say what schools, folks going, man, you know, see at the CIO level going, you know what, you, I told the president, you can migrate the day I retire because I'm not going through this, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, but, um, but in data migration specifically, you know, it's one thing to move data, to move content and be able to manipulate that content, change that content, uplift that to your point, JW, and to really refine it during that move. So you, you come out, you know, traditionally you come out, you know, come out of the cave a few years later uh, with, uh, with hopefully something usable. Now you're coming out, you know, a few weeks later with, um, with content that's been improved and uplifted, not the other way around. So there is a tremendous amount of advantage to this just beyond the speed. Yeah, and I would even say that there couldn't be a more perfect time for this, given the pandemic, uh, because uh, traditionally, probably over the last five or 10 years, institutions' needs probably haven't changed that much. They did a lot of due diligence to pick the system they thought was the best at the time, and whether they loved it or not, it, it was probably meeting expectations. Now, with the digital transformation and so many institutions having accelerated their needs, um, they really may be in need of a different system. Uh, not that the one they're using wasn't good for when they adopted it, um, but they would have been stuck before. And so I think that's the most exciting thing, um, in my opinion, is the timing couldn't be better. And, and I'm guessing this isn't something you guys thought up uh, as the pandemic started. This is something you've been working on uh, sooner than that. But uh, are you assuming you guys are seeing the same thing with the timing of the needs changing for the universities and other institutions in a way that just hasn't been seen before? Yeah, I, yeah you, you've got to be on. Uh, sorry, Thomas. You, you, no, you're, you're right. I mean, given the fact how online education is just that much more important and impactful and the, the delivery mechanism for that is critical. And so schools are sitting there going, are we on the right solution, the right LMS for us, because this is just becoming more and more relevant in, in you know, this day and age and how uh, you know, education is, uh, is delivered. So yeah, that's caused, I think, a lot more people to really uh, evaluate what LMS they're on and, and how they're thinking about it. Yeah, we, we, were on, we, were, we were on a nice trajectory prior to COVID. Um, I liked where we were at, I liked where we were going, so did the board. Uh, we have a small, wonderful, tight board of, of just four four amazing people. Yeah. And I, I liked where everything was going in the market, but also JW, as you know, and some others of us have known the change in demographics, uh, especially in the Northeast corridor, uh, some closures, maybe more closures happening. And frankly, a lot of institutions behind on their online technology, on blended learning. Uh, some of us have, that have been doing this for 20 years have been kind of raising our hands saying, you know, you, you better get on board um, before something happens. Well, no one could have predicted COVID and, and here it happened. It, it simply accelerated everything that was already there in my view. Um, and it certainly catapulted us. 
Yeah, and I would imagine there there's been even a little bit of roll ups and um, you know changes in institutions. Uh, you guys could also help in that kind of uh, dynamic as well if there need to be a um, uh, an institution rolling into another system, things like that, like a system of uh, institutions. Th then you guys would would be suited to help with that migration as well. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. With the consolidation, one hundred percent. And we've done plenty of schools already that are coming off of multiple LMSs and, and consolidating onto one. So, yeah. Yeah, already within one system, but not unified. Um, uh, so as my audience knows, we've had some recent conversations around uh, some big moves um, and IPOs and uh, acquisitions. Um, and this, I think, has not gotten enough press of these partnerships and these integrations. But uh, that's kind of what led us to the, today and doing this uh uh, interview is that you've announced some pretty major integrations in a pretty short amount of time. Um, I don't know if we want to start with you, Steve, on this one, but uh, give us some of the highlights of the recent news um, because I want to make sure that uh, it's not lost uh, uh, by some of the other big news in ed tech and investment uh, because these are really important integrations that you guys are pulling off at a, at a uh, rate that is uh, I've never seen before. Well, Jake, I, I'm, I'm stepping on Steve for a moment only because, first of all, the work he's done with these strategic partnerships is, is stunning. Um, but it's an enviable position, even for mature companies, let alone a young, an extremely young company to have these partnerships. And I, Steve, would not say that. So, Steve, I jumped on you to, to make sure uh, you get the credit for these amazing partnerships along with our CFO, Brian, and some others who have just handled themselves uh, with amazing professionalism to make this happen and doing the right thing for the right reasons. No, thanks, Thomas. I think, um, well, yeah, first of all, JW, you're, you're, you're right. I appreciate you bringing it up. We do have some significant partnerships in the space, and we're, we're getting ready to announce a few more, believe it or not, um, that um, in some cases, additional solutions that are being tacked onto the existing partnerships um, and in some cases, um, another partnership uh, we'd like to announce relatively soon that um, is in the migration realm still, but um, not necessarily in LMS. You know, um, and so there's a lot more coming on the partnership side. I think that is a testament to the technology that we have. It's not a testament to me. It's a testament to the fact that we've built something that um, these, these large uh, tech companies really need. Uh, in order to help serve their clients the most effective way possible. So, um, you know, Canvas was the first, um, you know, amazing relationship with them, this day, phenomenal relationship with them uh, at a very deep level. I think sometimes, you know, when you talk about a partnership with an organization, it's, oh, you have a partnership with Canvas. Well, what does that really mean? You know, we, we have a partnership with the great people inside of Canvas at, at every level and, and uh, you know, talk daily with, um, with different folks on the front line there, you know, all the way up through the actual, you know, quote unquote partnerships organization. So uh, amazing relationship with them. We've done amazing things with them. We've moved some, some really notable institutions um, onto their platform and, and just couldn't be more thrilled with the relationship we have there. Um, you know, we have a relationship as well with D2L, which is, uh, which is right now just starting to get off the ground. We just moved um, a, uh, a really interesting school for them, great organization for them. Uh, and you're going to start to see more and more, I think, migrations by us onto that platform in the very near future. Um, Open LMS uh, was after that. And I think that's a, um, you know, a up and coming LMS that um, maybe not as many are, um, are aware of, but um, it is, it is essentially the, um, the open source version of Moodle, 
right? And um, they've been brilliant to work with, fantastic folks over there as well. And, um, you know, again, starting to see some migrations take place there. And then our relationship with Blackboard has been really impactful as well. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time making sure that uh, we got that one right on both sides of the fence to make sure we serve Blackboard's existing client base um, as, um, as effectively as possible, right? Because uh, Blackboard's going through uh, an uplift with a lot of their clients onto Ultra right now. And, um, and we're there to help them do that as effectively and efficiently as possible. So those clients are, are you know, not going through a, a unnecessary muddy, uh, you know, uplift. So yeah, the partnership's been amazing. And, and again, more to come, but um, it, it's it's been a whirlwind and it's happened very, very quickly, relatively speaking, when you're talking about, you know, organizations of that size, typically speaking, um, will have... We were, I was on with one of them today, say who, but, uh, we were talking about the, looking at the partnerships page. They've got countless, I mean, hundreds of, you know, quote unquote partners, but how many of those partners they'll actually resell the solutions for? This is, goes for all four of the partnerships we have, not just one. I mean, it's a handful. It's one or two, right? Because you don't want your client facing Salesforce out there pushing a bunch of non, you know, um, non-branded products, right? You, you want to sell your own solutions. Why hire your Salesforce in the first place, right? But I think the how impactful this migration solution is for their clients is the reason why they've put that, you know, at the forefront of their sales org and said, hey, make this a part of the pack for um, for institutions that are coming over because it's just, it's the right thing to do for their clients to get them onto their platforms that much more faster and that much more efficiently. Yeah, and it sounds like it's a, not just a nice to have. There's a hundred plugins and widgets to a lot of these uh, systems. It's a must have if you have a need for migration. Um, so, so I think that that probably puts you in a different level of partnership uh, than maybe a, a lot of the other uh, kind of add-ons and plugins. Um, I am a little curious uh, as you're working with uh, Canvas, Blackboard type uh, companies. Is there a little bit of a double-edged sword there in that you're making it easier for? Uh, you know, prospects to come over, but also a little bit easier for uh, business to migrate somewhere else. Uh, and is that kind of part of the plan, getting the rest of the migrations in place so that's kind of an even playing field and hopefully improving all the products to uh, the end user, user's benefit? Yeah, you're speaking my, uh, you're speaking to my pain point, JW, is um, it, it, living with those, the, the, the four relationships here. And I think it was really critical to get all four on board and create, again, we wanted to create an environment where institutions had that freedom to make that decision. So if you're partnered with everybody, then schools can really make the decision on where they want to go on the merit of that LMS, whether they're going to, you know, Canvas or D2L or OpenLMS or Blackboard or, or Blackboard to Ultra, whatever, wherever these organizations, these institutions want to go, uh, we just want them to be able to do that in an unencumbered fashion. So I think it was really important to have those relationships with, with all of the different players out there. And I think they all saw it the same way. Uh, so it's, again, our, our job is to sort of stay out of the way. And, um, and once an institution said, this is, this is the right platform for me, then we're going to get them there quickly. And we're going to get them there um, in, in the most, I think too, uh, you know, financially responsible way as well. Yeah. I think to piggyback a little on, on Steve's wonderful comments, you know, it's, it's good for the Academy. Um, yeah. It's, I, it's maybe the board and the investors and others, and even the team, and Steve's heard me say this countless times, but it's, you know, what is good for the student and staff? Um, K-16 can come along later, but this is about these institutions that are serving the academy. Um, and to remain fiercely independent is really about putting the student first. I know 
I understand it might sound altruistic, but it's it's why we did this. It's why I chose to start this with my family, with my founders. So it's a real sacrifice and it's it's not easy to remain fiercely independent, but the professionalism of the team and, and how we serve these partnerships and many more that Steve's not even mentioning um, today and more that are coming um, it's a, it's a banner for us, and it's a banner for us to remain quiet, to remain humble, to remain under the radar and serve. Um, that's always been a part of my theme for, for decades. It's how I was raised, and I think it's important in this environment. It's good for education, and Steve's uh, balanced it beautifully with these relationships. Well, I can validate, too, JW, what, what uh, Thomas is saying there, because I think a, a lot of people you know talk that talk. Thomas has walked that walk from day one about this being – Faculty, students, faculty, students. We, we hear more about faculty and students than, than anything else. And, and that's just a recurring theme within our, our organization is, is if it's not right for the faculty and student, then whatever it is we're doing is not going to be sustainable. You know, whether, whether you even cared about that or not, which we do, if you're not doing the right thing for them, you, you're not going to have a sustainable business in ed tech. Uh, and, and so we just, we, we continue to keep faculty and students at the core of what we do. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, and, and I can uh, reiterate to that too in all my conversations. Uh, I really think that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that companies uh, really uh, had to stay true to themselves to make it. And uh, there's this new expectation of authenticity uh, that uh, is coming out uh, that uh, institutions that learners expect from uh, the platforms and the, the companies that they work with. And so it's great to, to see, again, that was something that you were founded with and have built a culture around. Uh, we're almost out of time for this episode, but we are going to have you back uh, to talk about some some more exciting announcements as you're going to be making them soon. Uh, but we always like to end, as my audience knows, with a, a glass half full story. So if uh, either or both of you had a, a quick story of success, uh, maybe here from the last uh, six or seven months, uh, that can give our audience a little bit of uh, hope and energy uh, moving into the back half of this year. Steve, let's jump into mind. Well, I, I, to clarify, JW, you're talking about on the, on the business front or a success story with like an institution or... Um, Either side. Yeah. Something on uh, internally, business front or on the, on the institution side. Yeah. I can give you one. I'll leave the name of the, uh, the institution out, but we just were always thinking about, uh, you know, the, the clients we serve. I had a, um, an institution that had to make a change, uh, you know, um, from one, one else to another. Obviously, it's the business we're in. Um, but um, they, they were in a position where the, uh, the license for their old, their, their legacy system was going to get shut off in a time frame that did not align with their ability to migrate. They were really uh, in a really, really challenging position. Uh, and quite frankly, in a position where I think a lot of companies probably could have, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, stuck it to them from a price perspective. Uh, we we came in and we solved that problem. We did it at um, you know at a cost that worked for them because they they were in a situation where they could not uh, they couldn't afford the services that uh, that we had to offer at the time. And um, but we looked at that situation and said this this organ this institution needs help and uh, and they need help quick. And um, and it's a great institution by the way, very well run, great leadership. Um, just one of those conundrums that uh, that you can find yourself in with techno with a tech stack, um, you know, fairly commonly. So we came in and we were able to move that institution to their new LMS uh, in, in an incredibly rapid fashion, with still with the fidelity that they needed, and get them in uh, just under that time frame before the clock ran out. And um, 
you know, still have a great relationship with them today. Just a, a really happy story for everyone around for them to, uh, to be able to pull that off and not leave their faculty and their students sitting there in the lurch, uh, you know, with, um, with no old LMS and no new LMS in the height of a pandemic. So uh, I, I, we were proud of that one as an organization. I think, that's a, yeah. I think that's a great example. I know the one you're talking about. I'm glad you, glad you gravitated to that one. I was thinking of a couple others also, but that was, JW, that was, that was sacrifice for the Academy. It was sacrifice for this company and, this company will not come first, not before the students and staff and, and those serving the students and staff what they need. Great example, Steve. Yeah, and a great story of uh, doing what's right. Uh, and we saw so many examples of that uh, through the pandemic, the ed tech community really coming together in a way that um, had never been seen before. And uh, I commend you guys for being a part of that greater story of uh, doing the right thing, especially during the pandemic to help uh, our learners and to help our institutions get through it um, and hopefully come out better for it uh, and a lot of exciting uh, uh, news and growth uh, moving into the back half of this year. That, unfortunately, is all the time we have for this episode of Voices of E-Learning. But Steve, Thomas, thank you guys both so much for your time today. Thank Thanks, you very David. much. Enjoy Love it. it. We're fans of your work, so thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And to my audience, as usual, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, be sure to uh, check out past episodes on the website or uh, wherever you consume your podcasts. And uh, be sure to check out a new episode next week. Thanks again. And always, always keep learning.